Good morning. This is so different to say good morning and not see you here with us this morning. So for the few that are here to make this happen this Sunday morning, I'd like you in the comments, if you can do something really quick for me, is thank the people that are willing to set up the video feed, the worship team that's here with us, um, and encourage the people that are taking the time this morning to allow you to be able to see this service. And so um, give them a hand but by saying thank you in the, the comment feed. And I'm going to pray this morning as we start into the Word of God. We're going to be in Acts this morning, and I could not be more excited about this passage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We just ask, God, that you, are, you would come into our midst, into our homes, into the church building here, that your presence would be felt. God, that we would, we would move through you, that you would allow us the opportunity this week to see others come to faith in Jesus Christ, that this would be an opportunity rather than a disruption. And so, God, allow us to see that. And as we're being redirected, at both as a church, but as a community, into how we can help others, how we can encourage others, God, help us to have that focus this week as we interact with people, whether it be through some type of video conferencing, whether it be through uh, phone, text, whatever it is. God, allow us those opportunities and grant us grace, the same grace that you gave us, but get, allow us to give it to others. We say all this in Jesus' name, amen. So my name is John Mueller. I'm the lead pastor here at Sunlight Community Church, and this is a little different. I, I don't usually use a pulpit, but I found that a pulpit actually is a pretty good indicator or space um, when you're doing a video as well. And so today, as I preach, it may be, be a little different than what you're used to, or it may be something that um, you haven't seen before. But if this is your first time here, you won't have anything to compare it to. So we're excited about that. Today we're going to be in the book of Acts, specifically Acts chapter 16. And we're continuing this new series, Recalculating When Plans Change. What happens when you think you're sent in a direction, but God redirects you and you go in a different direction? How are we supposed to react to God's redirection? What happens when the Holy Spirit is guiding us? These are questions I have and you may have. So we need to answer those today. If you have our app, then you can click the link at the top of the feed on the app to the YouVersion event, and you'll have notes there and be able to follow along. Do that on one device, and then maybe in another device, watch us, whether it's a TV or an iPad or a phone. And so today we're going to talk about being redirected. Now, being redirected is never fun, but when I used to work in social work, one of the skills they trained us with, with clients, was to, that, that when they've experienced trauma, or for anyone really that matter, is redirecting them, getting them away from what's, what's uh, escalating them and move them somewhere else. Sometimes this works with my kids. My favorite thing to do with my two-year-old daughter, Jocelyn, is point and say, Zaya, because that's her, her, her baby brother's name. That's the short name she uses. And so she just goes like this and pivots and like looks in the other direction. She could be crying. She could have just fallen. She could whatever it is, but she'll just pivot and look. Sometimes it works, though, and she stops crying, but sometimes it doesn't. A better example of this is the term wag the dog. Now, even this week, as I was preparing this, I shared this term with people, and some people didn't know what it was, some people did know what it was, but wag the dog 
means to purposely redirect attention from what would be of greater importance or significance to something of lesser importance or lesser significance. And so when you do this, the event that is less significant becomes to the forefront and drowns out the attention on the more important issue. Don't we see that many times? There's even actually a movie called Wag the Dog from the 90s. I can't recommend it, but it describes this term at length. An author even goes further in saying this. The expression comes from the saying, a dog is smarter than its tail. If the tail were smarter, then the tail would wag the dog, right? And so the tail's not as important as the whole dog itself. The tail doesn't wag the dog. The dog wags the tail. But unlike wagging the dog, taking our focus off what's important, when God gives us redirection, it's to what is more important than the previous thing. God uses the Holy Spirit and his word to redirect us to what's important. Rather than the spin that might be wagging the dog, the tail doesn't wag the dog when it comes to God's redirection. Paul finds himself redirected from all sides in Acts chapter 16. And if you want to read along with me, it's, it's Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6. It's pretty interesting what happens here with Paul. So I'm going to read verse 6 through 8 here. It says, And they went through the region of Phagira, Galatia, and having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they came to Mycenae, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of the Lord, uh, Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. Now, basically, if you're reading that, you probably are thinking, there's a bunch of big city name words that we don't use anymore, so what actually can we apply here? There's a whole lot. And so Paul had finished his ministry in Galatia and decided to go south. He was heading south. Don't most of us just right now in Indiana want to go to Florida? Okay, right? We want to leave town and get to somewhere warmer. He's going south. He's going to a province called Asia, not the continent. Okay, don't confuse the two. It's a province, not a continent, where Ephesus was located. So he's trying to go to these rich cities on the Black Sea, but it says here he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Then he stopped going to Bithynia, and he arrived to go west because of closed doors. He arrived down, down he moved, tried to move south, and then he goes west and he goes north. God's closing doors on his left and his right. God's direction comes from closed doors and open doors. Sometimes we don't want to admit that a closed door many, time is per, many times is protecting us from something that could happen that God is protecting us from. We don't know exactly why the Spirit forbid Paul here from going to one city and didn't allow him to go to another. He had been disappointed, redirected, sick, and had doors closed. Can I get an amen? Anyone ever had that happen? Where you feel like there's, you're surrounded on all sides? So what kept Paul going despite closed doors? It's simple. It's his faith that God was in control of his life. It's his faith that God was in control of his life. Right now, many of us are seeing doors close. Change is happening, and we can only take so many closed doors, right? It's about your perspective, though. If a closed door is the direction God is giving, we should readily receive that. If we, like Paul, believe that God is in control of our lives, and he ultimately loves us, then that is an answer to prayer, 
You know, sometimes we pray things like, God, give me direction. And when he closes a door, we say, God, no, don't do that. But the reality is that's God giving direction. And so we got what we asked for, just not in the way we asked for. And so we need to remember that when we pray. So one thing I think we get lost in is it's even easier with everything going on in the world right now to get lost in this, is what ifs. Any of you, you know, raise your hand in the comments. Can you wave or something here? So if you get lost in what ifs, these are questions we're asking right now. What if I didn't get laid off? See how negative that sounds? What if I didn't get laid off? What if I didn't have to do school at home? What if I was still in school? What if I saved money for a time like this? What if I get COVID-19? What if all these changes are forever? What if Jesus takes me tomorrow? What if? We can ask what ifs for the rest of our lives, but Paul wasn't concerned about what ifs, and we shouldn't be either. Paul wasn't concerned about that. He didn't spend time on them because he knew that God's direction comes from closed doors and opened ones. Sometimes we, we don't realize that, that the shutting of one door is an opening of another. It's almost like redirecting someone. If you notice, if you're ever in a maze, imagine a maze has a bunch of doors. You shut one door, well, you can't go that direction. You've got to go a different way. And so God is directing us even through closed doors. And Paul right here, it would have been really easy for him to pity himself. But instead, he followed Jesus. God said, don't go here. God said, don't go here. We really have a choice in this moment to either pity ourselves because of closed doors or see that God is directing us. If a door is closed abruptly, are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to follow Jesus when that door is closed abruptly? So are we going to get lost in what ifs? That's, that's the question here. Instead, Paul was having doors closed from his left and his right and, and kept going back and forth. And now he goes down to Troas, which... No one's been there. If anyone from our church has been there, that'd be amazing and super awesome. Maybe someone has. Maybe Pastor Aaron has. I don't know. He's been to the Middle East, so, you know, hasn't been there. But going towards Europe and between the Aegean and Black Sea, so that's where he ended up in Troas, okay? It's not where he wanted, but it was where he was directed by the Holy Spirit. Now, I think we need to think about that. Are you not where you want to be, but are being directed by the Holy Spirit? And that is where you need to be. So in that moment, we need to live the lives that we've been given. There's something here that I think we miss. Because we're in a world filled with Christians, but I would say everyone that just wants to rebel. And, and Paul here had obedience. Think about it. One attribute that he had. God said, no, he left. God said, go this way. He went that way. He had obedience. Sometimes we don't want to have obedience when God's calling us elsewhere. Think in the Old Testament of Jonah. Jonah ran, but God still directed him back, right? We've heard that story when we were kids, and, and Jonah runs from where God wants him to go. But the first thing that happens is God lets him be swallowed by a fish, spit up on the beach, and he has to go back to Nineveh, the place where God originally directed him. Paul here wasn't resistant. So I guess the call here is if we're going to follow Paul in this, we need to be obedient to where, the, where God is taking us. We need to recalculate the space that the Holy Spirit has to redirect our lives. We need to recalculate that. Paul is doing this. And he finds himself 
in Troas, waiting for more direction. If you look, if you look in verse 9 and 10, this is so important here. He's down there, he's waiting, he's sitting in this town, and God comes to him. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, remember what it says here, insert your community. Insert what your name in the community. If you're in Angola, put Angola there. Don't put Macedonia, put Angola. Put Hamilton, put <laughs> Steuben County, whatever, whatever you see your community being. Urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul had seen the vision. Immediately, we sought to go on to Macedonia. He didn't wait, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. That Macedonian man calling to him in a vision, I, I read this, and it elicits an emotional response in my soul. The call of the Macedonian man is the call of those that have not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you're honest with yourself, we've all been there at some point. We all have been there. Europe, in this case, needed the good news of Jesus. God's direction leads us to those that need Jesus. God's direction is never away from those that need Jesus. It's to those that need Jesus. While doors were closing, while, uh, while directing Paul to those who needed Jesus, there was a vision. This vision was the call of someone that needs Jesus, a people lost without him. Who's lost without you? Right now, everything's being thrown up in the air and changed. Some people are lost without the message of Jesus Christ. All of us once were lost. This people that needed to hear the good news about Jesus. If you put your community in there, say that again. Think, come to Angola and save us. There's people that need Jesus. Paul sees this vision, and without hesitation, he just goes to Macedonia. He, it says here, he, immediately he left. There's no hesitation. Why do we hesitate? Because we allow our mind to be filled with what-ifs. And Paul had no time for what-ifs. He had the message and the mission of the church in Jesus Christ. So when we receive direction from God, we shouldn't hesitate. We have to recalculate. That's why the direction is hard. When God redirects us, we hesitate because it requires sacrifice. It requires us changing something. And we have to recalculate to the next thing. And you know, sometimes we don't want to recalculate because it does, does require that sacrifice. That's why we have broken relationships. We choose to hesitate and not follow Jesus because there might be something that we have to give up. But in this moment... Right now, as a church, as a community, there's no time for hesitation. There's no space for what-ifs in our life. This moment that Paul is in is one of the largest turning points in all of history. We need to thank God for his direction here. The closed doors. If there wasn't closed doors, you wouldn't be watching me right now. Where would the church be if Paul didn't go to Europe? We wouldn't be worshiping. We wouldn't be thanking God. This was the moment God brought missionaries to the Western world. And yet, we read this, and we, I know you pro, if you've read this before, you think, 
well, okay, that's great. Paul went here and Paul went there. And, oh, okay, what's the big deal? This is so huge because God's direction leads to those that need help. We need help. God's direction doesn't lead away from those that need help. It leads to those that need help. So Paul concluded to go to Macedonia. The word concluded here is very interesting. It means to bring together. It means to coalesce, to to synthesize together, to bring together. He was concerning and considering what this vision was and what had come before it. He knew he was headed to Europe. They knew they needed the good news of Jesus Christ. Nothing gives us energy like someone needing help. Think about that. Nothing gives you energy like someone needing help. You can be fatigued and sleeping, but if you hear a cry for help, you leap up and run to someone's aid. Think about this. Practical example. If you are a mother and your kid is crying, you could be in the deepest sleep possible, and all of a sudden, you hear the cry of help, and you're awake. I don't understand it. I can sleep like a log, so I don't know why. You hear the faint cries of a baby, and you are alerted for the need for help. Forget how tired you are. When there's a cry for help, you get this adrenaline rush, and you're ready to go run and help someone. That's what Paul had, and we need to have the same thing. That goes back to Paul, what Paul believed, though. And maybe we don't believe that this morning. Maybe you're watching this and wondering, how can I think like Paul? How can I believe like Paul? He believed that God had control of his life. Any time that we think anything else has control of our lives, that leads in an opposite direction from God's direction. So what happens as a result of Paul following the direction of the Holy Spirit? I would encourage you to read the rest of Acts chapter 16. There's a portion here that I'm going to read. But I would encourage you to read the whole chapter at some point after the service. But I'm going to read verses 13 through 15. We're going to hear about this woman named Lydia. Lydia was a very important person in her community. In fact, she was probably very wealthy. And it says, starting in verse 13, On the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate. This is, this is Paul and Silas. To the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. First off, right here, Paul is talking to the women first. That is not something that was happening in their culture. He was giving them value. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in all her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Lydia is who they meet as they come to to Philippi in Macedonia. Lydia and her entire household are led to Jesus and baptized. I think it's very interesting here that it goes from closed door to closed door. Paul's pushed on each side, and then he gets to the open door with Lydia. This is an open door. God's direction leads to salvation. If you have an open door with someone, it's always going to lead towards Jesus. It leads to salvation. God's direction leads to salvation. Just in chapter 16, just in one chapter of Acts, 
There's Lydia and her household, a slave girl, and then there's the jailer and his household that receive faith in Jesus Christ. It says in verse 14, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. It says she was a worshiper of God, but didn't believe the good news about Jesus yet. Yet she was attracted to it. At the time, I wondered what this attraction was. And part of it was there was really two schools of philosophy at the time. The Stoics and the Epicureans. And she would have known about both of them and maybe actually lived one of their philosophies. Timothy Keller describes one of them, the Stoics, as believing the way to a good life was not to love anyone too much. That's where they get this word Stoicism from. To detach your heart. That's the term, detach your heart. Right now, I wish I could detach my heart, but I want to be near people, right? Because I'm an extrovert. The introverts are like, oh, I want to be away. I want to be away from that. But Stoicism was a, a philosophy of you shouldn't care for anything because you need to detach your heart. Don't love anything too much. The Epicureans were the opposite. They were different. They said when you die, nothing happens. It's pretty depressing. Therefore, you basically live your life to make yourself happy. And so if you're living your life to, to make yourself happy, it's not like the Stoics, but it is definitely selfish. And it's the same as, as the Stoics being selfish. It was to say, live for yourself. Or YOLO, like that would be the modern term. And so you have this one life to live, and that's it. Then you're dead and you're gone. So do what you, makes you happy. Not sure which group Lydia was in, but I know that she was probably in one of those groups. Even if she was a worshiper of God, this would have been how she lived her life, her culture. It was a part of the good news of Jesus that broke through that selfishness in her heart and led to salvation. And what was that part? What was that part? You may wonder why I mention these two philosophies. You may wonder why they matter so much to us now. There's a lot of people living like this in America. Simply put, there's a lot of people living like this. There's people that are going back and forth through the burden of trying to save themselves by doing good to the emptiness of living for yourself. Which one have you been struggling with? You know, you're struggling with one or the other. All of us have, have one that we're struggling with. Are we trying to be good so God will accept us? Trying to live for ourselves because there's nothing else to do in this life except for be happy? Either way leads away from salvation. So it's not God's direction to just live for yourself, and it's also not God's direction to detach from things and try to do as much good as possible. Either way leads away from God. God didn't send Jesus, and I want you to hear this, God didn't send Jesus for us to be in a contest with him about doing more good. Some people need to hear that. It's not, it's not a contest with Jesus about how good we are. It's a contest in no way, shape, or form. God didn't send Jesus so we can just be happy. If you're looking for Jesus to make you happy, you're going to be sorely disappointed. And Lydia realized this. She realized that God wasn't going to make her happy. And you know what? God was also not going to allow her eternal life from being good because grace is the only way to God. Grace that comes through Jesus Christ. Grace that lets, lets us throw off that burden that we have of being good on our own because we can't do it on our own. 
that same grace gives us hope of an afterlife. So Lydia didn't just receive salvation, get baptized. She said something right after that. And if you look there in the passage, she allowed them to use her home for ministry. What does that mean? Especially right now. Is your house a house of ministry? Maybe it's, maybe it's you're using your home to, to make meals and deliver them to people. Maybe you're choosing to share with people what God's doing in your life. Do you use your house for others? Is it a place of shelter from the brokenhearted? Is it a shelter from the storm? Is it a place of peace? The Jewish people greeted each other with a simple word, shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. Is your, place, is your house a place of shalom? Many of us probably couldn't say that right now because it's kind of chaotic and things have changed and you know we're trying to wrestle with what have we lost, what do we have, what's changed in the world. Is your pl- house a place of shalom? That is what God's greeting us with when we have salvation. When we receive salvation and God grants us that and gives that to us, he's greeting us with shalom, with peace. We cannot forget what happened to Paul and Silas, though. If you look past verse 15, it goes downhill pretty quick, okay? So if you continue reading in that chapter, notice what God does every step of the way. As things get worse and things get worse and things get worse, God continues to provide answers to prayer. Right after this, What happens to Paul and Silas? Paul and Silas had their garments torn. They were beaten. They were beaten with rods and thrown into jail. And I think we need to remember this this morning. God's direction might always lead to salvation, but does not lead away from trials. It doesn't lead away from trials. Paul and Silas in jail, they pray and praised God. They re- calculated, recalculated that despite the current circumstances, they were following the direction of God no matter what. That's what we need to do, church. That's what we need to do in our community. If you're watching this, you have to understand, we have to recalculate our current circumstances to continue to follow the direction of God. While we might waver as we're redirected, do you want to be more like Jonah or do you want to be more like Paul? Paul was obedient in the first time Jonah was obedient in the second, third, fourth time. Who, you know, as God's children, who wants a child that listens after you say things four times? Can I get an amen? No. Who wants the child that listens the first time because you're realizing you're trying to protect them? If your child is running out into the street and there's a car coming and you yell stop and they don't listen, that's a sad, traumatic story, right? Because God is the same way. Sometimes we don't see the car coming And we don't realize it's there, but God does, and we need to listen to him. So when we're redirected in Acts chapter 16, 6 through 10, this is the call of all the people of God. Are we going to follow our own direction, or are we going to follow the direction of God? Listen to this. Evangelism is not for them or for those kind of people. It's for you and I. Simple as that. We need to follow the direction of God to speak and act towards others like Jesus. So what? As we, as we conclude our service this morning, you're going to ask, so what? My kids 
haven't got that term yet, so I'm, I'm thankful. They're all six and under, so they don't say so what. And so, so what? God's direction comes from closed doors and open ones. You know what? I'm going to confess, I really don't like closed doors. I really like open ones. I like them so much. But sometimes closed doors lead to greater open ones. Ones where it's not just a crack in the window, it's like this huge open door for God to do something amazing. So when the God closes a door, remember that he's, he's going to open other opportunities. And you know, Paul's opportunities, they didn't look really great. I mean, if I filled out a job description like Paul, it's like, hey, I need a, I need a missionary, and you know what, I'm going to guarantee that you're going to get beat, you're going to get thrown in jail, you're going to have people completely reject you, who wants that job? The reality is, we've all been called to follow and pursue Jesus. And much like Paul, God's direction leads us to those that need Jesus. They need help and salvation. And you may think, well, needing Jesus, help, and salvation, those are so similar. They're actually kind of different. The help is a physical help. There's a physical help that's needed. And that help is definitely something that we need to pursue together as a church and as a community. Salvation is something that we have the privilege and the opportunity to being with the Holy Spirit in people's lives and sharing with them the good news of Jesus Christ. So as we, as we come back and have services next week, there's going to be a lot of different changes. If you listen to the announcements earlier, there's going to be a lot of different restrictions and things. It's not going to be the same. There isn't a new normal. There's a constantly changing and moving normal. And so I know this is a time where you're asking questions like, what is God directing us to do as a family? And you know what? It's not going to hurt me any if everyone's at home next week, to be honest. Because if we're hearing the message of God from God's word, it doesn't matter where you are. And so I want you to know as a church that we need to be gathering all over our county in spaces, worshiping God together. It's amazing to think that instead of just meeting in one space, we're meeting in hundreds of spaces. Or, or, or these spaces are all different people's houses in different places. So I just want to encourage you with that. I'm going to pray to close us this morning and close our service. I want to thank you for coming along with us. This week was actually kind of an experiment, I have to say, as a pastor. Because we're, we're shifting back to what, what might be another normal, maybe for a while, and what that looks like. So let me, let me pray with you and encourage you as we close our service. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we ask, God, that you would grant us the privilege this week of seeing the direction that you have. Seeing the direction for us individually, but seeing the direction for our families, our country, our nation. God, help us to be protected from, from different illnesses that might be in the community. Help us to see opportunities to share the gospel with someone else. There's a lot of fear, but God, help us to live lives without fear. Help us to live with wisdom and strength. God, you may be closing some doors, but you're opening others. And allow us to see that as a church, as different families, as individuals. God, help us to see that in our community. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning for Sunlight's online service.